Hello <laughs> to my um, fellow souls who walk this earth. I'm going to read you some chapters from the book Co-Creation, which is volume four from the Ringing Cedars of Russia series. And I'm going to hop around a bit, but we're also going to, me and Paul, my roommate, are going to talk about some of the chapters. Bless you. Thank you. Fun fact, when I was little, I never knew that people actually said bless you. I thought there was just the generic term bless you. Bless you? Bless you oh that you God. said when people sneezed. That's very cute. No, it's we bless. Did I also... you ever hear people say God bless you? Yes, but like... I guess I was just not <laughs> really unaware. <laughs> I also thought one of the cool things that I thought was that um, when women grow up, they grow holes in their ears. Like, because all women had their ears pierced. Oh, oh my gosh. I thought that, like, I think I asked my mom, like, is it when you're, like, 14? Is that when you get holes in your ears? No, my <laughs> gosh. Because I never pierced my ears. Very cute, actually. So, so the beginning of this book talks about sort of the creation story. So for all you educated folks out there who haven't spent enough time with creationism. I'm giving you a little <laughs> a little extra taste. And um, the I'm reading a bit from the chapter Your Appearance for the First Time before I go into the, the main part that I'm going to read. And so, let's see. It's after God has created Earth and created all the life on Earth. He's like, we need someone to take care of all this life on Earth. I'm going to create a, a man to take care of the Earth. And so it says, suddenly the illumination flared up. And this is has to do with God's, when he's, God's creating. And it says, Wait, and the, huh? He said to create man to take care of the Earth? Yeah. No. Big mistake. <laughs> he still believes. God's like, God's really enthusiastic though. Let's see about about this creation. <laughs> God. All right. So, so suddenly the illumination flared up and the energy of love shuddered. So love is actually this energy in this story separate from God that helps him, like it helps fills the space around all his creation. Mm. Um, so, God exclaimed in joyous admiration, um, Look, universe, look, here is my son, man, not woman, man. He is standing on earth, he is material. In him are particles of all the universal energies. He lives on all levels of being. He is my likeness and image, and in him are the particles of all your energies. So love him, love him. <laughs> And um, my son will bring joy to all there is. He is creation. He is birth. And he is everything of everyone. He will create a new creation. And his continuous rebirth will stretch out infinitely. And his continuous rebirth is the idea of him having his children. That's why I'm going to skip forward to the chapter mm -hmm. called Birth. Um, so it says, when he is one, and when he is multiplied many times over, he, an emanating an invisible light, merging into his single whole, will govern the universe. He will give the joy of life to everything. I have given him everything, and in the future I will also give him what I have conceived. 
Thus, for the first time, you alone were standing on the beautiful earth, Anastasia concluded her story. Who are you talking about? Me? <laughs> Welcome back, Vladimir. You, Vladimir. <laughs> and also, whoever comes into contact with this written line. Anastasia, how can that be? Here you have in total, um, total incongruity. How can all those readings stand there where it is said that only one stood? The Bible talks about this too. First there was one, and his name was Adam. Even you said that God created one. That is all correct, Vladimir, but look, we all came out of the one. His particle, the information placed in him, and all of the others born on earth was implanted. And if by will of thought you cast off the weight of your vain cares, you will feel the sensations of those preserved to this day in the small particle. It was there, and it remembers everything. It is in you now, and in every living person on earth. Let it reveal itself, sense what you saw, and you who are now reading this line, what you saw at the beginning of your journey. That's great. <laughs> so it turns out that everything living right now on this earth was at the very beginning? Yes, but on this earth, not that one. The earth just had a different look. Um, what can you call all of us simultaneously? You're more used to hearing the name Adam, right? I will use that. But you must imagine that it is you. So this is the reason I read this section, the whole point that we're using the word Adam, but Anastasia is, the whole point of the story is that like you connect to the feelings that everyone has inside of you, so you must imagine it is you. Moreover, each person should imagine himself or herself by this name. I will help the presentation a little with words. Please, I still have a fairly poor picture of myself in those times. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, let's see, do I want to read any more of this section? Anastasia talks about him sort of living in a... Imagine yourself entering a garden as spring turns into summer, and in that garden you find the fruits of autumn. In it are beans you are seen for the first time. It's hard to take in all at a glance when everything is new and in each is perfection. But remember the first time you saw a flower, Adam, your attention rested on the flower, on the very little flower. And so she goes on and describes when he sees a lion and um, how it is so happy to meet his gaze and caress because of the light emanating from him, the, wow. the grace. And one of the main points in this chapter is the idea that back then, the human like grace was so much higher. Like all like all that grace that's super diluted in us now, was super strong, <laughs> strong in quote unquote Adam. And so, it, it might mention I think the idea that back then, the animals wanted to come towards the humans because to be in their grace, and now we obviously are majorly out of grace mm -hmm. with most animals. Let's see. So I'm going to fast forward past the first day, past um, the chapter called Problems Affir Affirmed Life's Perfection, <laughs> which is attractive. The first encounter, not sure, that might be when God finds, finally creates a woman. 
<laughs> and then there's a chapter about maybe when they decide to have a kid. Oh yeah, this is when one of the classic Anastasia phrases is like, what does God want? So what does God want from us? And God wants joint creation and joy from contemplate from its contemplation. So she uses that phrase again, like the, the purpose of life is for to create together and find joy in contemplating what is. And so Adam asks, like, what can bring joy for everyone? And the answer is birth. Everything beautiful is born. So that's Adam and Eve are thinking together and they're like, okay, birth. And so that leads us to the chapter birth. The day returned and night came once again. One day at daybreak when Adam was considering the tiger cubs and thinking, Eve quietly walked up, sat beside him, took his hand and put Adam's hand on her belly. Feel here inside me, my creation, a new creation. Alive, do you feel it, Adam, jostling, my restless creation? Yes, I do. I think it is trying to reach me. You, of course. It is mine, but it is also yours. <laughs> I still want to see our creation. Eve gave birth, not in agony, but in great wonder. Forgetting his entire surroundings, not this is a, <laughs> a fun chapter, not <laughs> feeling himself, Adam watched and trembled with impatience. Eve gave birth to a new joint creation. The, it's so funny looking at it with that terminology. Yeah. A tiny bundle, all wet, lay helplessly in the grass. Little legs curled up, its eyes not opening. Adam watched steadily as it moved its little hands, opened its lips, and exhaled. Adam was afraid to blink for fear of missing the slightest movement. Unknown feelings filled everything inside him and around. Unable to stay in one place, Adam jumped up and suddenly set off at a run. In great exultation, exultation is one of my favorite words, because of the concept of that instead of trying to get rid of our negative traits, we should exalt them. Yes. All right, Adam ran headlong down the river bank for the pure sake of running. He stopped. In his chest, something beautiful and unknown kept expanding and growing. And everything around him, the breeze did not simply rustle the bushes' leaves, it sang as it combed through the bushes' leaves and the flower petals. The clouds did not simply sail in the sky, all the clouds danced enchantingly, the water sparkled, smiled, and flowed quickly. Well, of course, the river. Reflecting the clouds, the river bent in a new way before his gaze, and the joyous chirping of birds in the sky, the exultant churring in the grasses, Everything merged into the single sound of the magnificent, gentle music of the most beautiful universe. Taking more air into his chest, Adam suddenly shouted with all his strength. His shout was unusual, not bestial. Instead, it filled the gentlest of sounds. Everything around him quieted. For the first time, the universe heard man sing, standing on earth rejoicing and singing. Man sang, and everything <laughs> heard before in the galaxies fell silent. Hearing the song of happiness, the universal world understood that there is no string in any galaxy capable of emitting a better sound than the sound of the human soul in song. But the song of exultation could not reduce the excess of feelings. Adam saw the lion and rushed towards, toward it. He tumbled the lion to the ground like a kitten. 
He started ruffling its mane, laughing. Then he jumped up, beckoning to the lion, and started to run. The lion could barely keep up with him. Then the cub and the cubs and lioness fell way behind. Adam ran fastest of all and waved his arms, beckoning all the creatures to follow him on his way. He believed his creation would help bring joy to everyone. And here he was before him again, um, the little bundle, his creation. Licked by the she-wolf and caressed by the warm breeze, the little bundle alive. The infant had yet to open his eyes. He was asleep. All the beasts that had run up with Adam dropped to the ground before him in bliss. This is wonderful, Adam exclaimed in admiration. A light akin to mine emanates from my creation. It may be stronger than mine, since something unusual is even happening with me. All the creatures have fallen before him in bliss. This is what I wanted. I did it. I created. I created a beautiful living creation. Everyone, everyone look at him. Adams cast a glance all around and suddenly he stopped. That just made me feel the nice feeling of that's what we are to our parents. But Adam cast a glance all around and, and suddenly he stopped. His gaze still fell on Eve. She was sitting in the grass alone, lightly caressing the suddenly, the suddenly quiet Adam with her weary gaze. Um, the love inside and around Adam radiated invisible bliss with new force. Suddenly, oh, how universal love trembled when Adam ran up to the beautiful maiden mother when he dropped to his knees before Eve and touched her golden tresses. Her golden... Golden tresses, her lips, and her mouth-filled breast when he compressed his amazement into a gentle whisper and tried to speak of his admiration. My Eve, my Eve, you are capable of making dreams come true? A little wary, her gentle, quiet voice replied, Yes, I am a woman. We will make everything you can imagine come true. <laughs> yes, <laughs> together, we are together. Now it is clear, we are together, we are like him. We are capable of making dreams come true. Look, our father, do you hear us? But for the first time, Adam did not hear an answer. Surprised, he jumped up and shouted, where are you, my father? Look at my creation. Your earthly creatures are perfect. Strange. Everything is beautiful. Trees, grasses, bushes, and clouds, but more beautiful than the lines of a flower. Look. My creation has brought me more joy than everything you created with your dream. You are silent. You don't want to look at him? But he is the best of all. My creation speaks to my soul most of all. What is the matter with you? Don't you want to look at him? Adam looked at the infant. The air above the little infant's awakened body was bluer than usual, and no breeze ruffled anything. Only someone invisible bent a slender stem over the infant's lips, bending mm. the flower, and the three gentle puffs of a flower, flower, flower pollen touched the infant's lips. He, the infant, smacked his lips slightly, sighed blissfully, moved his little arm and leg, and fell back to sleep. Adam guessed that while he was exulting, God was cherished in the infant, and so was silent. Adam exclaimed, that means you helped. That means you were nearby and recognized our creation. And he heard the father's quiet voice. Not so loudly, Adam, you'll wake the child with your exultation. You mean, my father, that you have come to love my creation as you do me, or do you love him more than me? If so, why? Explain. It isn't yours, after all. Love, my son has a continuation. Your continuation is in the new creation. You mean I am here and in him simultaneously, and Eve is in him, you mean? 
Yes, my son, your creation is akin to you in all things, not only in flesh, in him, spirit and soul, merging, give birth to something new. Your aspirations will continue, and the joyous feelings will strengthen many times over. So there will be many of us. You will fill the whole earth. You will apprehend everything through feeling. And then in other galaxies, your dream will create a world even more beautiful. Where is the universe's edge? What do I do when I come to it? When will I fill everything myself and create what I have imagined? My son, the universe is thought. The dream was born out of thought. It is partially visible in matter. When you reach the edge of everything, your thought will discover a new beginning and continuation. A beautiful new birth will arise from nothing, reflecting you in your aspirations, soul, and dream. My son, you are infinite. You are eternal. Your creative dreams are in you. Father, how good it always is when you speak. <laughs> when you are nearby, I want to embrace you, but you are invisible. Why? My son, when my dreams of you were taken in the universal energies, I didn't have time to think about myself. My dreams and thoughts created only you. They did not create my visible image. But they are my creations, which are visible, and you must sense them. You must not try to examine them. No one in the entire universe can examine them with just his mind. Father, I feel good when you speak. You are nearby, always nearby. When I find myself at the other end of the universe, when I have doubts or something incomprehensible in my soul, tell me, how will I find you? Where will you be then? In you and nearby, everything is inside you, my son. You are master of all the universe's energies. I balanced all the universe's opposites in you, and in this way you are something new. Do not let any one of them predominate in you. Then I will be in you as well. In me. In you and nearby, you and Eve are in your creation. In you, there is a particle of me, and so I am in your creation too. I am sent to you. Who will the new creation be for you? You once again. Who will you love more? Me? The one who I am now, or the me that is born over and over again? Love is one. There is more and more hope in each new embodiment and dream. Father, how wise you are, and how I want to embrace you. <laughs> Look around. My creations are visible, and my materialized thoughts and dreams. You can always interact with them on your material plane of being. I have come to love you. How I love, or I have come to love you. How I love you, Father. And I have come to love Eve and my new creation. Love is all around, and I want to live in it eternally. My son, only in the dimension of love will you live eternally. Years have passed, if I can put it this way. But time is only a convention after all. Years have passed, but what is the point of counting? For a long time, man could not know death in himself. And that means death could not exist then. Of that chapter. Oh. So. Why am I so Allergy. Maybe. But you can let me know, or you can just fall asleep. <laughs> mm. But. Do you want to discuss that chapter? Sure. It ended. The last sentence was weird, and it made me think that it was going to end. Tell me about well, that. 
Yeah, for a long time man could not know death in himself, and that means death could not exist then. It's something she talks about. More later, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, just in general in the books mm -hmm. about the idea that like if the world is our dream, just like the whole concept of God dreaming the mm -hmm. world is that we also dream death into experience. Mm -hmm. And like the way that Anastasia or her people experience death I is it's not it's not just that it's not sorrowful and that you're celebrating the person, but it's literally just um they at the point when the person decides to go, they will they'll be reborn back back onto the in, like in the example of the kids like the family homesteads, you can even be reborn back later in generation back onto that same homestead that you that you like took care of. Um, and there's yeah in the, one of the books one of my favorite parts is when her great grandfather dies. <laughs> that sounds like a funny thing, but her son um, like leads take leads him off into the the forest like before he goes off to die and it's just there's there's not the fear of death that's really all what I'm trying to say and so in a way death doesn't exist for them like yeah. life is eternal as far as they're concerned and yeah oh. why did you laugh every time they were saying it I uh love whenever you speak father or something i don't know I, just, I don't know i guess it was probably a reaction to um not being able to understand being in that much joy yeah. that you would be just yeah like anastasia does that too where she's just like thank you you know what i mean but yeah. thank you to the wonder of the world yeah um i think like how he's like how I love you, Father, and also the concept of it being Father. I've always been re very resistant to feeling like the Holy Father. Yes. Um, if Anastasia is fine with it, I bet I'm <laughs> I bet it's fine. But <laughs> um, do you, how do you feel about the exaltations of the Father? This felt kind of it. Just felt like not. It felt ancillary. What does ancillary mean? Just added, like not not needed, like yeah. something extra that he was just throwing out there. It just like it felt like not necessary or like real speech. Yeah, because everything he's saying also is so innocent compared to how people speak. But I feel like that's not even slightly bad. Yeah, but. Like, the whole time I was like, do you love him more than me? Yes. But, there's, <laughs> but I sort of like the, like the innocence of that, but feeling like you can ask that to God, just yeah. like simple stuff. So, um, let's see. Okay, I want to be sure to read this the chapter after this one but I want to read part of this chapter it's called the apple that cannot satisfy classic apple time so <laughs> Anastasia if everything was so good in the beginning what happened afterward what happened Paul 
the apple. The snake came. <laughs> Tempted Adam and Eve to eat the apple. Oh no. That's from the forbidden tree. That's what we've been told. That's, that's why are there wars on earth and why are people going hungry? We have stealing, criminals, suicides, prison. There are plenty of unhappy families and orphan children. Where did the loving Eves go? Where is God? Who promised we would all live in love eternally? Actually, I remember that the Bible talks about this. Because man picked the apple from the forbidden tree and tasted it, God drove man out of paradise. He even put a guard at the gates to keep the mischief makers out of paradise. Vladimir, God did not drive man out of paradise. Yes, he did. I read about it. He also cursed man with this at the same time. He told Eve she was a sinner and would give birth in agony, and Adam would obtain his food by the sweat of his brow. That is how everything happens with us now in real life. Vladimir, think this through yourself. Perhaps that logic or the absence of it is to someone's advantage. Perhaps it has its own purpose. What do logic and someone's purpose have to do with this? Please, believe me. <laughs> Each must learn himself to examine things with his soul and define reality. Only by thinking things through yourself can you understand that God did not drive man out of paradise. God to this day remains the all-loving Father. He is God. He, God, is love. You read about that too. Yes, I did. So where is the logic? After all, a loving parent would never drive his child out of his home. A loving parent, enduring deprivation himself, forgives his children any transgressions. Nor does God gaze impartially on all the sufferings of people, his children. Whether he gazes or not, I don't know, but it is clear to everyone that he does nothing to counter it. What are you saying, Vladimir? Of course, he will bear this pain from his son, man. But how much can one fail to perceive the Father, fail to sense his love, not see it? Why are you getting so worked up? Speak more specifically. Wherein and what are the present-day manifestations of God's love for us? When you are in the city, take a closer look around you. The living carpet of the most marvelous grass is covered with lifeless asphalt. These are hulks called, there are hulks called homes, made of harmful concrete all around and cars move to and fro between them, emitting deadly gas. But among the stone hulks, if they find just a small island, blades of grass will come up, as will flowers, God's creations. From the leaves rustling and the birds singing, he keeps calling to his daughters and sons to make sense of what is happening and return to paradise. Love's illumination keeps decreasing from the earth. Um... And the sun's reflection would have dimmed altogether long ago, but with his energy he in, indefatigably strengthens the stuff of life and the sun's rays. As before, he loves his daughters and sons, he believes, waits, and dreams that one day, with the next dawn, man will suddenly comprehend, and that his comprehension will return the original flowering to earth. But how did everything happen on earth despite God's dreams? How did they last, I don't know, how many thousands or maybe millions of years? How can anyone keep waiting and believing all that time? For God, time does not exist. As in a loving parent, faith does not vanish from him. Thanks to that faith, we are all alive right now. We ourselves are creating life, enjoying the freedom our Father has given us, but people did not choose the path leading to nowhere all of a sudden. If not all of a sudden, then when? 
What does Adam's apple mean? In those times, as now, the universe was filled with many living energies. Living essences are invisible everywhere, and many of them resemble the second human eye. They are all, and the, you know, like the, there's the body of man and the feelings and all that. They are almost like people. They are capable of encompassing all planes of being except the material. Herein lies man's advantage over them. One energy always predominates in the set of energies of universal essences. They do not have the ability to change the correlation of their energies. Also among the universal essences are sets of energies akin to God. Akin, but they are not gods. For an instant, they cannot... They can not balance the multitude of energies in themselves, but they cannot create living creations in harmony like God. No one in the entire universe has been able to find the solution to reveal the innermost secret, the power with which the material plane was created, and where and what the threads connecting it to the entire universal essence lie. How, at whose expense, can this plane reproduce itself? Let me see if it seems like an important chapter, but I'm not sure I want to read the whole thing, so... Um, but it basically, I think, says that when God created everything, he, his thought was so, so quick that like the essences that he's talking about couldn't catch on to, couldn't understand what he was, what he was doing. Mm. And, um when these essences saw that um that he that god created man they were like they wanted to know not only like what is this power of creation that god could do but what is this power mysterious power of creation that man seems to have Mm. um and it says they they have tried to create something like Earth and other galaxies and other worlds. They have even used the planets God created. Many have achieved a likeness of earthly being, but only a likeness. And they describe like different planets or things where they've never been able to achieve the kind of perfect harmony that we have on Earth, like a place where all the trees grow, but they all die, or where all the where these essences tried to create. Um, different animals, but everything got like taken over by ants or yeah. <laughs> I don't know things like that. Um, <laughs> and so it says, truly, it's better that better God's technique of creation stays a secret, just so none of the essences figure it out themselves. And Anastasia says, I don't think anyone ever will. Why are you so sure? It is the kind of secret that is clear. There is no secret, and at the same time, there is more than one. The word creation gives me confidence when you attach a second word to it. What? Inspiration. Well, what does that make? What could these two words together mean? They... No, stop quiet. I remember you said that thoughts and that means words, too, do not vanish into nowhere, but hover in the dimension around us and anyone can hear them. Is that true? Yes. And the essences could hear them? Yes. Then quiet. Why give them a hint? Vladimir, you mustn't worry. By revealing the secret to them slightly, I may be able in this way to show the fruitlessness and pointlessness of their tireless attempts, so so that they understand and stop harassing man. 
If that's so, then tell me what creation and inspiration mean. Creation means what God created out of, every, out of particles of all the universal energies, including his own, even if all the essences assemble together to achieve something similar to Earth, they will not have enough of one energy. And that one is the idea, in its, as, as an idea is intrinsic to God that was born in the divine dream alone. Inspiration means the creation made of a burst of inspiration. When, which of your sculptors, your great artists who created in a burst of inspiration, would later try to say how he held the brush, what he was thinking, where he was standing, wholly engrossed in his work, he paid no attention to that. Furthermore, there is the energy of love sent to earth by God. It is free, subservient to no one, and while maintaining its loyalty to God, serves only man. How interesting this all is, Anastasia. Do you think the essences will hear this and understand? They will hear, and they may even understand. What I'm saying, will they hear that too? Yes. Mm -hmm. Then I'll sum up for them again. Hey, essences, is it clear to you now? Is it? Don't go grasping at people anymore. It's not for you to divine the Creator's intention. Well, Anastasia, did I tell them well? Your last words were very accurate. It is not for you to divine the Creator's intention. How long have they been trying to, since the moment they saw the earth and men, right up to the present day? How have their attempts harmed Adam or us? In Adam and Eve, they arise pride and egoism. They were able to convince them, by false dogma, in order to create something more perfect than what is, you must break it open and see how the creation works. They repeated this often, knowing the construction of everything, Know the construction of everything, and you will tower over everything. They hoped that when Adam began taking apart God's creations and understanding their structure and purpose, he would understand with his mind where the interconnection among all the creations lay. They would see the thoughts Adam produced and understand how they too could create akin to God. At first, Adam ignored their advice and requests, but one day Eve decided to advise Adam. Oh no, it's still Eve. I hear it, voices saying that everything will be more beautiful and easier for us when you learn the structure inside of everything. Mm -hmm. Why do we keep not agreeing with this advice? Would it not be better to follow it just once? First Adam broke off a branch of a tree with marvelous fruits on it and then, then how you yourself see creative thought in man came to a halt. Ever since then he has been taking apart and breaking everything open to understand the structure of everything and creating his own primitive things with his instantly halted thought. Anastasia, wait a minute, this is not entirely clear. Why do you think that human thought came to a halt? On the contrary, when people sort things out, it's called learning something new. Vladimir, man is made in such a way that he does not have to sort out anything. In him is, how can I say this more understandably? The entire construction is preserved as it is in man in an encoded form. The code is revealed when he puts his creative dream in inspiration. But it's still not clear um, what harm there can be from this assembly and why it halts thought. Why don't you show me by example? Yes, that's right. I'll try by example. Imagine you are driving behind the wheel towards a goal. It suddenly occurs to you to look at how the engine works, why the wheels, wheels turn, you stop your automobile and start assembling its engine, for example. Well, if I do, I find out what's in there, and then I can repair it myself. What could be bad about that? 
but while you are disassembling, your movement is halted. You will not reach your goal in time. On the other hand, I know more about the car. What is bad about me acquiring new knowledge? What do you need it for? Your purpose is not to repair. It is to take pleasure in the movement and to create. You have not been convincing, Anastasia. Not a single driver would agree with you. Well, maybe those driving new foreign cars, Japanese makes, or Mercedes, they rarely break down. God's creations not only do not break down, but they are capable of resurrecting themselves. So why disassemble them? What do you mean, why? For only, if only for interest's sake. Forgive me, Vladimir, if my example was unsuccessful. Allow me to try another. Try away. A beautiful woman is standing in front of you. Desire for her is burning in you. She is to your liking, but she is not in, and she is not indifferent to you. <laughs> she tries to unite with you in creation. But in the moments before a mutual surge of union creation, it suddenly occurs to you to sort out what a woman is made of. How do, you, how do her organs work? Her stomach, liver, kidneys. What does she eat? What does she drink? How will all this work in an intimate moment? That's enough. Say no more. Here you've come up with a terrific example. There won't be any intimacy or creation. It won't work if that cursed thought comes. This happened to me once. I had long liked a certain woman, but she wouldn't give herself to me. <laughs> then, <laughs> then one day she did consent. Oh, this guy. I suddenly got to thinking how best to do everything and for some reason began to doubt my abilities. As a result, nothing worked. Such a disgrace. I had a real fright. Later I asked a friend and he'd been through the same thing. He and I even went to see a doctor. The doctor told us that a psychological factor had come into play. We shouldn't have doubted and tried to sort out what was what. I think men have suffered quite a bit from that factor. Now I understand. All this is because of the essences and of Adam and Eve's advice. Yes, they behaved rather badly then. Why do you blame only Adam and Eve? Take a look at today as an all humanity stubbornly continuing to repeat their mistake, breaking God's commandments. The consequences were not clear to Adam and Eve, but why does humanity stubbornly continue to take everything apart, destroying living creations? Today, when the consequences are so obvious and sad. I don't know, maybe everyone needs a good shaking up. Have we gotten into a cycle of nothing but taking things apart? I just had the thought that it was too bad God did not really punish Adam and Eve if he'd gone and slapped Adam upside the head to drive out the foolishness from which humanity is suffering now and given Eve a, a switching and a soft spot so she wouldn't butt in with her advice. Vladimir, God gave man complete freedom, and in his thoughts produced no punishment from himself. In addition, what has been done in thoughts cannot be changed by punishment. Wrong actions will keep being created until the original thought is changed. For example, tell me, what do you think? Who invented the death-dealing missile and its nuclear warheads? In Russian, academician Kor Korolyov... Korolyov built the missiles, and before him, um, um, Tsiolkovsky, <laughs> sorry guys, spoke about them theoretically. American scientists tried. Well, in general, many human minds have worked in rocket building. There are lots of inventors working in different countries. Vladimir, the inventor of all missiles and all lethal weapons for them. Um, 
is in fact only one. How can he be one with when entire scientific institutions are working on creating missiles in different countries and they keep their achievements secret from each other? That's what the arms race means, who produces arms faster and better. Hints are gla gladly handed out to the, all the people who call themselves scientists and inventors and independently of which country they live in, by him, the sole inventor. And where and what country does he live and what is his name? The thought of destruction. In the beginning, after getting through to one person and taking control of his material body, it produced the spear and stone point. Then it created the arrow and the iron arrowhead. But if it knows everything, this destructive thought, why didn't it produce a missile right away? The material level of earthly existence does not immediately embody a conception. The Creator has given us a slowness in matter for comprehension. Destructive thought long ago produced the spear, what we have now for weapons and what we will have in the future much more lethal. Embodying more than a sphere on the spear on the earthly material level required the construction of many plants and laboratories, which are now called scientific. On outwardly plausible pretexts, men were drawn more and more into implementations of lethal thought. But why does it need that? Why does it try so persistently to assert itself, to destroy Earth's entire material plane, to show the whole universe the superiority of the energies of its all-destroying essence over everything and over God? It acts through people. There, the viper, that sly viper, how are we to drive it from the Earth? So this is the last section that I want to read, but I like how he calls it a sly viper. Oh my gosh. We don't use that term in the... Sly viper. Sly viper destruction. Do you have anything to note on that section? Mm. Mm -hmm. The apple that cannot satisfy. What? It was called the apple that cannot satisfy. Did she ever mention an apple? Said Adam's apple. Oh, she did. That, hearing hearing her say like what's what is with uh, or Adam's apple, I was like, oh my god, that's what that means. You know what I mean? I had yeah. learned I had learned that that was the name of the bump on men's necks without mm -hmm. ever th connecting it to the biblical story, which is weird. Oh yeah, you it's built in. Yeah, men have Adam's apples, and you just kind of like you were talking about with bless you. I just kind of thought that was just like a word, mm -hmm. and not really like the biblical times were just lost on me until now. Mm -hmm. but, oh. Interesting. What did she say? I'm forgetting right around that. I forget too. Um. Hmm. It's toward the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, so Vladimir asked, what does Adam's apple mean? And that's when Anastasia starts talking about the universal energies. Mm -hmm. And did she ever bring it home? Not that I remember, but <laughs> I bet she did. 
Yeah, I'm not sure for now. It's okay. But it is, what does it feel like to have an Adam's apple? Interesting. There's a little V. It's a V. You can feel. I have a V too. You feel that? Right here? Yeah. It just sticks out more from it? Maybe. Because I definitely have like a little knob here. And I could feel, when I'm not talking, I can kind of poke my finger. That's funny, I never felt the V. It must be people that have those little V chins that it slid off their neck. Or whatever you call them, cleft. Anyway. Um, what is it? Do you feel, does it do anything? It moves when I swallow, it goes up. Yeah, women have it too, it's just small. Like I can, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> okay, intimate connections with it have to be avoided. And the it here is the destructive thought. That's the name of the chapter? Mm-hmm, intimate connections with it have to be, <laughs> have to be avoided. Oh my God. Wait, how long is the chapter? We don't have to, oh, it's short, really short. Okay, this is all this. Yes. Okay. This is perfect. Yay. Do not allow it to penetrate you. All women should avoid intimate relations with men who have let in the thought of destruction so as not to give birth to it over and over. <laughs> oh, you, if all women colluded in this, scientific military minds would go crazy. Vladimir, if women would start acting like this, there would be no war on earth. That's for sure, Anastasia. You are really onto something with all war wars, you really are. Your idea could smash all wars. Truly, what man would want to fight if after that no woman would sleep with him or give him progeny? Anyone who started a war ends up killing himself and all his descendants. If women want to do that, no one would start a war. Eve's fall would be expiated before herself and God by the woman, women living today. We're still treating this Eve concept a little, but I, I very much like this. Mm -hmm. What would happen then? The earth would flourish anew with the primordial flower. You are persistent, Anastasia, and you remain true to your dream, but you are also naive. How can you believe in all the women on earth? <laughs> How can I not believe in women, Vladimir? If I know that each woman, woman living on earth today has inside her the divine essence, let it be revealed in all its beauty. Let it, goddesses, women of the divine earth, reveal the divine essence in you. Show yourself to the entire universe in your glory, in the primary sources. A perfect creation, you are created from the divine dream. You, each of you, is capable of pacifying the energies of the universe. Mm -hmm. Women, goddesses of all the universe and earth. Anastasia, how can you say that all the women on earth are goddesses? Your naivete really makes me laugh. Just think, all of them goddesses, even those who stand behind counters at the different stores and kiosks. 
the cleaners, dishwashers, and waitresses, in the kitchen at home, day in and day out, always boiling and roasting and rattling dishes, their goddesses too, you yourself blaspheme, how can drug addicts and prostitutes be called goddesses? Well, maybe in a temple, or at a ball, a beautiful lady dances. Sometimes people say, the, say about them as well, she is a goddess, but no one would ever call all the various unkempt creatures in unfashionable rags a goddess. <laughs> but... Vladimir, every day the circumstances of modern life force earthly goddesses to stand in the kitchen. You said that I am like a wild animal, that my daily life is primitive, and that only the one you live in is civilized. Then why do the women in the civilization of your part of life spend their life in a cramped kitchen, forced to wash the floor and haul heavy things from the stores? Mm -hmm. You boast of your civilization, but why is there so much dirt in it? Why do you turn your very beautiful earthly goddesses into cleaning women? Where have you ever seen a cleaning goddess? Those who are worth something, their beauty shines in contests and are drowned in luxury and everyone wants to marry them. But they only marry rich men and the poor don't need all the different neglected creatures. Each woman has her own beauty, only she is not always given the chance to reveal herself. That great beauty cannot be measured like a waist, for example, the length of a leg, size of a bust, and eye color are unimportant here. Beauty is inside the woman, and the young girl, and the elderly lady. Well, yes, and elderly ladies, too. Now you're going to tell me about old lady pictures. You think they're beautiful goddesses, too. <laughs> In their own way, they are beautiful. In spite of the sequence of life's humiliations, the many cracks in their fate, any woman who gets called granny can one morning apprehend, wake up with the dawn, walk through the dew, smile at the rising sun with a ray of comprehension, and then, what? Suddenly, make someone love her. She herself will be loved, and she will, be, and she will give him the warmth of her love. Him who? <laughs> her one and only who apprehends the goddess in her. That doesn't happen. <laughs> yes, it does. You go ask old people. You'll find out how many ardent romances they have. <laughs> and you're sure women can change the world. Yes, they can. They can, without a doubt, Vladimir, by changing the priorities of their love. They, God's perfect creation, will give back to the earth its beautiful original form. They will transform the whole earth into the flowering garden of the divine dream. They are God's creation, the beautiful goddesses of God's earth. <laughs> goddesses, goddesses. <laughs> Goddesses. The next chapter is called Three Prayers, and I guess I just... Mm. Oh, this is... I'm not going to read this chapter now, but it's just a really good chapter. It's where Anastasia talks about talking to God. Like, Adam talks to God, and Anastasia says mm -hmm. you can talk to God, and Vladimir is like... Um... So goes to show Anastasia the Lord's Prayer that because it's the one prayer that he knows. Yeah. And and he says it in front of Anastasia and she's like. She hears him rattle it off and she's like sort of horrified or sorrowful or whatever and yeah. she's like. What kind of father would want a child to to like to talk to him in this way like muttering, words that he doesn't even know understand. Mm -hmm. Like in a downcast way, someone else's words, like what what parent would be happy to to just have this muttering 
incomprehensible thing that their child is presenting in front of them. Uh -huh. <laughs> and Anastasia has her own, um, her own prayer, and I won't read it, but it says, like, the introduction to it is, it says, Anastasia stood up, her arms spread, turned away from me, and spoke her first words, the ordinary words of a prayer, but everything inside me seemed to throb suddenly. She spoke them in a way we speak, not what is what is not a prayer. She spoke them the way people turn to their closest, closest, most beloved, dearest person. Her speech had all the intonations of vibrant interaction, passion, joy, and desperate ecstasy, as if he, to whom Anastasia had turned ardently, was nearby. Mm. And then she says that that's how you talk to God. How long is your prayer? You want to hear <laughs> it's there's this there's like a half a page prayer and then a page prayer it's okay this is a short chapter anyway okay our father who is everywhere for your great light i thank you and for making real your kingdom thank you for your loving will i thank you be forever kind and good for my daily food, I thank you, and for patience, forgiveness of my sins upon your earth. My Father, who is everywhere, your daughter among your creations, I shall not allow sin and weakness in myself, but stay deserving, worthy of your accomplishments. My Father, who is everywhere, I am your daughter, your child who lives for your delight. I shall multiply your glory with myself. The coming ages shall all live inside your dreams, so it, so shall it be, so do I desire, my Father who is everywhere, I am your daughter. Anastasia fell silent, she continued to commune with everything around her, light seemed to shine around her, when she was uttering the words of her prayer next to me, something invisible happened, and this something invisible touched me too, on the inside, not the outside, it made me suddenly feel good and calm, but as Anastasia moved away, this feeling passed. Mm. Um, and as she says, like, you recited your prayer as if someone were beside you capable of responding to it. Anastasia turned to face me, and her face was joyful. She spread her arms out to the sides and spun, smiling, and then looked me seriously in the eyes. Um, Vladimir, God our Father also speaks to each person with a prayer, answers each prayer. Why, then, does no one understand his words? Um, and it says his words, there are so many words. Oh yeah, this isn't her prayer, this is, but it's, it's worth reading. So, so many dissimilar languages and dialects, or it says there are so many words with different meanings among earthly nations, so many dissimilar languages and dialects, but there is one language for all, one language of divine appeals for all. It is woven from the rustling of leaves, the singing of birds, and the waves. God's language has smells and color. God gives a prayerful answer in this language to each request and prayer. Could you translate what he is telling us into words? Yes, approximately. Why approximately? Our language is much poorer than the one God speaks with us. Still tell me as best you can. Anastasia glanced at me, suddenly reached out in front of her, and her voice... Her chest, her chest voice, her chest voice rang out. 
My son, my dearest son, I've waited long, and I wait still, years in a minute, ages in an instant, still I wait. To you I've given all the blessed earth, you're free in everything, you choose your path. Still I beg you, son, my dearest son, be happy, son, I beg you. You do not see me, you do not hear me, in reason there lurk doubts and tears. You move away, to where? You search, for what? To whom do you bow down? I stretch my hand to you, my son, my dearest son. Be happy, I beg you, you stray again, along a path to nowhere. On this path the earth explodes with deadly force. You are free, and the earth explodes, explodes your destiny. You are free, yet I remain, reviving you with the last blade of grass. And once again the glorious world will shine. Be happy, I beg you. The faces of the saints are full of grief. They frighten you with hell and judgment. They tell you I come to judge, and yet I merely pray for when we are as one again. I trust you will return. I know you'll come again. I shall embrace you once again. Not a stepfather, no. I'm yours. Your Ava father, and you are my own son, my dearest son. May we find joy together. When Anastasia fell silent, it took me a while to regain my senses. It was as if I kept listening to everything around me, but maybe I was listening to the blood racing through my veins inside me in an unusual rhythm. What had I understood? To this day I myself don't understand. She had set out in her ardent interpretation God's prayer to man. Whether the words are true or untrue, who's to say now? And why, who can explain? why they aroused my feelings so powerfully. What am I doing now? Agitatedly, I run my hand over the page with some comprehension or with none. Am I losing my mind? Do I weave her words with what the bards now sing in her name? It all may be. Perhaps others will understand for me, and I will try to understand when I finish writing. And I am writing again, but once again, as there, in the forest, as if breaking through a curtain, the lines of the tiger prayers sometimes ring out, and once again a question, an agonizing question that still faces me to this day. It arises from our life in images and meditations. I am afraid to respond to it myself, but I can no longer hold it inside me. Might someone convincingly find an answer? The prayer, this is Anastasia's prayer, made up of just words. The words of a tiger hermit, uneducated, with a unique way of thinking and living, mere words. For for some reason, each time they pulse anew through the veins in my writing arm, and the blood courses through them faster, measuring the seconds in which I must decide what is better and how to go on living. Ask the good father to relieve me, give me, save me? Or like this, decisively and from the soul, the way she did, to state suddenly, My father who is everywhere, I won't allow sin and weakness in myself. I am your son, I am for your delight, I'll multiply your glory with myself. Which prayer will he like more? What should I or all of us together do? What path should we follow? My father who is everywhere, I won't allow sin and weakness in myself. But where do I get the strength to say that and to live up to what I say? So, do you have anything to... It's sort of...
I still have an internal res resistance to the Christian presentation. Yeah. But I have nothing to argue with with it. God is a woman. <laughs> you don't think we'd be annoyed too if we had to just say God our mother all the time? <laughs> I'm already getting tired of calling it mother. <laughs> yeah. I should get over that because mothers are rather inherent. But. Look at little Vladimir. Has she had her baby yet? Which one? Her oh, son. in this book? Yeah. yeah, she has. Where is her child? <laughs> he just hangs out in the taiga. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, he lives there. Like, um, But he doesn't meet her the child until he's five. Because he's not... Um, he's so unconscious. But Anastasia doesn't think that he'd be good to have around. Oh my gosh. That he's going to appear like an imbecile next to his own son. Oh my gosh. It's so funny. It's quite interesting. So, what? Hmm? What are you reading? Just the back. I feel like there's something else to say. So does Vladimir come back to speak with her every, every once a year or how often? Um, I think so. Yeah. Maybe not exactly. But yeah, by now I think they had the first son when, in 1990, like, same, it, well I guess the son would be a little younger than I am, because I think he first met her in 94 or something like that. Oh, okay. Or we are, and, so, in the 10th book, the son leaves to go join, go into the world, so... How old is he at that point? I actually am not really sure. Um, I forget when the tenth book comes out, came out. But a man, grown up. Yeah. Well, he doesn't leave as like a teenager or something. Yeah. Um. So, I've, I feel like I want to, I have something else that I want to say about before we both fall totally asleep, um, about all those creation chapters. I think one of my favorite parts is the whole concept of the destructive thoughts 
or any other thoughts that there's that the universal energy is the one to gain predominance in man and one of the main things that it says over and over again in these books is how man has the power to to balance all the universal energies within him that all the universal energies exist within man that's how we sort of that's how we know them like because they're mm. all exist within us but that is sort of our choice choice to like do we like she like do not let it penetrate you the yeah <laughs> the destructive thought and when I've actually it's super related to a couple of the recent episodes that I've made about our conceptualization of war as and Arkan Lishpala, the guy who wrote the time of the black jaguar has a particular quote about how we re reinforce this harmful image of ourselves that war determines the development of human civilization when it's actually not the case that all our that our historical civilizations have always developed on the basis of war mm. but that's the story that we we tell and so we already have the built-in idea that we must follow the destructive thought of war it's like an inherent thing of us mm -hmm. whereas this kind of story doesn't say that like Adam and Eve weren't born with the destructive thought it, it's like almost an outside choice mm -hmm. and so I really like that that perspective that that like everyone yeah. sort of knows on a certain level that idea of so why the heck are we building these weapons everyone's yeah. like um because it's part of our nature like yeah. <laughs> we just can't help ourselves yeah. let's keep doing it um and it's I like the perspective of like it's just a mistake we keep making over and over again of letting that destructive thought be more and more predominant. Yeah. And it's really simple in that thought way. We could choose to not do that, to agree or. Yeah. I. Yeah, I believe that. I'm trying to think if there's like, because we can think about that with all energies, like letting them get predominant yeah. position. Are energies the same thing as essences in the book? Um, I mean, I'm not sure actually, like myself, like I don't feel super, super clear, but like the idea that the sort of entity idea, like these things are represent this similar to the second human eye, like you know how people talk about that whole realm of stuff. Yeah. Like I'm not sure if like the vocab she used to describe the destructive thought, if the destructive thought has those same qualities as the second human eye or not, yeah. or if it's just a thought, like as they said that they're all the thoughts are in the air, but then yeah. the entities can hear the thoughts that we put into the air. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of interesting things that come up with that concept of all the thoughts or all the words that ever spoken are uh, like exist then can be heard. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I touched the the destructive thing, which was 
Yeah. Is there anything that you want to say? All right. Other than thank you for reading. Thank you, Anastasia. <laughs> yes. Wherever you are. Anastasia says, Spasibo. <laughs> says what? <laughs> she says, Spasibo. <laughs> it means thank you in Russian. Oh. <laughs> but, anyway. Alright, good night. Good night, everyone. Bonsoir.